Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. Today, our topic is 10 powerful, and I should say unique ways, to stop hating your body. If you would like to uh, call into the show, if you have any questions or comments as I go, the number is 866-472-5792. If you're on the live Instagram, you can drop a comment anytime. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's go. So first of all, let's say you have taken that first big, bold, wonderful step towards loving yourself more. And that is you decided to stop hating your body. But what's next? How do you actually do that? Well, that starts with your relationship with yourself. It means changing how you perceive your body, embracing your perfectly imperfect self, and respecting your body regardless of what our culture or society or social media tells us. Just want to share a quote that is uh, from Buddha. It feels slightly uh, uh, altered, (laughs) just doesn't sound quite like the Buddha, but I've seen it over and over, so maybe the Buddha actually said this. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. You yourself, as much as anybody in the universe, deserve your love and affection. So says the Buddha. So let's believe him. Okay, so let me share my 10 unusual techniques and powerful that will help you shift from body dissatisfaction, body hatred to acceptance. First, pay attention to your dreams. I'm not talking about your dreams of, oh, I want to go you know, on safari in Africa, or I dream of being in space. No, I mean your literal, actual dreams, because our dreams offer clues to our unconscious, out-of-awareness, hidden conflicts about ourselves. So for example, Bella, Bella had a, had a, a recurring dream. And in this dream, some sort of faceless man, some guy, was giving trying to feed her dates and somehow in the in the dream she knew that they were poisonous and her association to this was that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark just my favorite movie ever i'm sure you've seen it but if not there is a scene in which a a monkey is poisoned after eating bad dates and so she thought that she could not figure out why she kept dreaming about someone feeding her poisonous dates. So let me tell you a little bit about Bella. She desperately wanted to find a partner. She really wanted love. She wanted to find love and find someone to share her life with. But she thought she had to lose weight to do that. She thought, hey, when her body was ready, she would be too. And yet she was never happy with her body. Whatever she approached her goal weight, whenever she got close to feeling good about her body, what happened? She sabotaged herself, gained back all the weight she just lost, often more, and then went back on a diet, you know, rinse and repeat. The old diet binge cycle. Only this was motivated by something unconscious and it had a lot to do with her dreams. So her dream about these poisonous dates reminiscent of that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was actually a metaphor about her fears and conflicts surrounding dating and relationships. Our dreams, we dream things in disguise. So she didn't overtly dream about going on a date and being afraid of that. She dreamt of being fed the food dates. But we had to really look at her dreams and and interpret them. So the dream symbolism, it suggested, which was true, that part of Bella believed that dating, much like the dates in her dream and in the scene from Raiders, could be dangerous, could be harmful. 
dating could poison her. It could kill her, her spirit. So again, in conflict, part of her wanted love and connection. And another part of her felt she would lose herself in a relationship. It would, it would kill off some part of her. It was dangerous. So by never letting go of that weight, never letting herself lose weight and feel good enough to date as she, the way she thought of it, she was protecting herself from these perceived threats of intimacy and, and from being vulnerable in a relationship, which for many reasons, which I won't go into, she was afraid of. So understanding and addressing these unconscious fears and conflicts about dating helped her break the cycle, helped her accept herself more. And by the way, she was really brave. She started going on dates without the precondition of changing her body, which was super cool. And since she no longer associated weight with some kind of protection, she was actually able to lose weight without sabotaging herself. So as you could see from Bella and her, her dreams of dates, <laughs> the food kind, um, our dreams really serve as a, a window into our unconscious mind, and they reveal our deepest thoughts and feelings about our lives. So once we recognize these conflicts, we can take active steps to work through them. So by paying attention to your dreams, you can figure out where you might be stuck and why you may be stuck. Our dreams, they may tell you a lot about yourself. Uh, Freud, the grandfather, well, I guess the father. The father of psychoanalysis, he called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. And it's so, 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 so true. And it's so interesting. So if you if you don't remember your dreams, just maybe keep your phone nearby. And when you wake up, just give yourself a voice note or set an intention to remember your dreams. Um, write them down. They really can tell you a lot if you're able to uh, interpret them. Uh, the second powerful way to stop hating your body is to really consider your childhood, to look back on your childhood, because your early family life might influence, probably has influenced, the way you feel about your body today. Because our body image, it's shaped during our earliest years, and that can carry through into adulthood. And it really impacts how we see ourselves, how we see our physical selves, and how we feel about that. And so often that is impacted and, and affected and shaped by cultural ideals, family ideals, family attitudes towards body image, um, social media, of course. But I really, I really think that family attitudes have a lot more to do with it because I uh, treat a lot of people who were never shaped by social media, but they got these ideas about themselves and have struggled for 40, 50 years. Um, so you can't change the past, but you can, by reflecting on your childhood, identify patterns or triggers that influence your view of yourself in the present. And remember, this is about explaining, not blaming. It does nobody any good to say, oh, it's my parents' fault. That doesn't do any good. But to say, oh, this happened in my childhood. These were the messages, and this is how I was impacted by it, and this is how it affects me today, that's explaining, and that is really helpful. For example, Caitlin, and by the way, uh, the names, I have changed all the names of these people. They are not, they're, they're real names. The names have been changed. So Caitlin grew up in a family where she always felt like the odd one out physically. Her parents and her siblings were all tall and thin and athletic. Caitlin was short with a very muscular build that no amount of dieting ever seemed to change. And she stopped growing when she was like 5'1". Uh, her, her shortest sister was like 5'8". So she always felt um, different. And she remembered thinking, why can't I be tall and thin like they are? You know, she just longed to suddenly have some magical growth spurt. And, and just like, if she got tall, she figured she'd thin out and then she would look like her family and then she would be right. That's, that that was the, the message. It's, there was something wrong about her because she was different. Now, keep in mind, her family never actually made direct comments about what she looked like. They never said, 
we're so tall and thin and you're so short and muscular and thick. They never said that, but they did make critical observations about other people's bodies. You know, they'd be out and be at the movies and they'd be like, oh, look at that woman eating that giant thing of popcorn. Like, can you believe she's eating that? She shouldn't be eating that. I mean, look at her. Stuff like that. And Caitlin, so they never said anything about Caitlin, but Caitlin absorbed these remarks and she internalized a belief that somehow her body, because it was different from her family, that her body was wrong, that there was something wrong about it. And by identifying and challenging the, this idea and, and really coming to embrace that, no, there's no right way to have a body. There's no wrong way to have a body. Different is not worse. Different is not, you know, tall and thin is not good and, and short and muscular is not bad. It's just different. So she didn't just come to terms with her height and her build, you know, which she had to do. She challenged those years of ingrained beliefs and learned to see her body for what it was. And now she says, hey, you know what? I'm I'm short and powerful. I'm strong. I'm capable of this body. It's mine, right? So she saw herself as unique rather than different. Because when she felt that she was different, she felt bad about herself. She hated her body. And now her body hasn't changed, but her mindset has and of course, now she appreciates and accepts her body. Okay, so the next step to stop hating your body is to consider what's weighing on you, not what you weigh, what's weighing on you. Because here's the thing, as you can see, our minds are so powerful. That's why I consider myself as a psychoanalyst, a detective of the mind. I'm here to solve the mystery of why you're doing something you don't want to do like eat all the Girl Scout cookies, and why you're not doing something you want to do, like go to the gym or whatever. Uh, when you are curious about that and not critical, you find answers. When you find answers, you can do something differently. So consider what is weighing on you, because feeling intense emotions, this is so interesting, I think, feeling intense emotions and experiencing yourself as kind of too much to handle, like you're a burden or your, your needs and wants are too much, that can be a way of displacing thoughts and feelings onto your body. Like when you feel too much, you can literally see yourself as too much. I've worked with a number of people with body dysmorphia, and in every single case, there was something about some too muchness that got projected onto their body. So instead of saying, mm, I, I'm feeling too much of this feeling, it became, oh my God, my stomach is so big or my nose is huge or whatever it is. Right? So what is, instead of what's too much about your body or yourself, what is weighing on you? What's too much to handle? An example, Emma, she was often just overwhelmed by anxiety that, yeah, she thought it was too much to handle. It was too much to handle. She was going through so much all at the same time. But instead of addressing that anxiety directly, instead of saying, oh my God, this is all just way too much. I can't believe all the things that all the things that I'm juggling right now. I'm super anxious. I'm super overwhelmed. How do I calm myself down? How do I deal with this? No, she did not do that. She instead just felt like, oh, I am so big. I, I, she focused on her body. I am so big rather than I am feeling such big feelings. Now, why do we do this? And by the way, we do it unconsciously. Nobody is aware, nobody's aware of it. They don't say, oh, oh, let me unconsciously, you can't be unconscious. You can't consciously have an unconscious dynamic. They don't know and says, oh, let me transfer my big feelings and, and look in the mirror and think that I'm big. No, it's unconscious. It's out of awareness, but it is still in operation. It is easier to focus on losing weight than it is to process certain emotions and ideas. In Emma's case, it was easier to think, oh my God, I am so big. I need to lose weight. What can I do? I hate myself. I hate my body. Than it was to say, oh, I don't know what to do about these situations in my life. They are unmanageable. 
It has to do with things that other people are doing, decisions other people are making that impact me. I, I have no sense of control here. That was too much. So it was easier for her, still painful, but easier to, for her to focus on her body and try to lose weight instead of lose the anxiety. So again, her feelings of being uh, of, of feeling too much got projected onto her body and she felt too big, too emotional, too much. And she also believed that if her body were smaller, this is another kind of unconscious notion, if her body were smaller and less noticeable, she wouldn't feel such big emotions. She really had the idea that when her, like thin people (laughs) somehow don't feel big feelings. So this led her, all of it led her to hating her body instead of processing and expressing her big feelings. So by, by understanding and working through our intense emotions, everything that is weighing on us and learning to see them as just a natural part of life instead of, oh, this is too scary. I can't deal. Um, we can, we can stop displacing it onto our body and thinking like, oh, we're too big. So ask yourself, what's too big to handle? What's too much to handle? If you, if you feel fat, (laughs) fat is not a feeling. It is a substance. But if you feel fat, if you feel big, if you think you weigh too much and you hate your body because of it, really consider what's weighing on you. Very, very, very important. All right. Next. So, so far, we've pay attention to your dreams, your literal, literal dreams. Look back to your childhood and notice you know, what themes from your childhood have affected your your sense of yourself now? Consider what's weighing on you. And next is notice what sets off your negative thoughts about your body. Pay attention to when you feel worse about your body. What's happening around you? What are you feeling? And by the way, if you're on Instagram and you'd like to uh, drop a comment, if this if this relates to you, if you can really resonate with this, please drop a comment, drop an emoji. I'd love to know that this is interesting to you or that you can relate to it. And if you have a question, now's the time to ask. So understanding what triggers those negative thoughts about yourself is a crucial step towards cultivating self-acceptance and overcoming these body image issues. And these triggers are different for everyone. And they could be anything from finding yourself in a certain situation, like, say, oh, on the beach, having to wear a bathing suit, or being around people who make you uncomfortable. I know someone who all of her all of her friends are super fit, uh, like modely looking people. And she every time she's with them, she feels bad about herself. They're not making her feel that way. She is just comparing herself to them. Comparison is the thief of joy, said Theodore Roosevelt back in the day. And boy, was he right. But because she was comparing herself to her friends, that was a situation that was really triggering her hatred for her appearance. Um, Or it could be comparing yourself to people you don't know, like on social media, where by the way, people present very uh, curated, shall we say, presentations of themselves, right? They're photoshopped or, you know, they take a million pictures to get that one good one. Or, you know, I've told this story before. I was at a dinner party and the host and and her husband, they were fighting and they were, it was really uncomfortable. (laughs) They were bickering and fighting and everyone else was like, oh, what do we do? And then, and then they're like, oh, wait, 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 we forgot to take our, our, our Instagram picture today. And instantly they went from fighting to this fake, like, <laughs> smile. They took the picture, posted it on Instagram. You would never know that moments before they were really at each other's throats in front of other people. So there you go. You never know. So don't compare your real life to someone's um, curated life that they show you. And social media really exposes us to quote unquote perfect bodies, and that seems to lead to perfect lives. And this leads to comparison, dissatisfaction, negatively perceiving yourself. And 
if you feel bad about yourself, how do you feel bad about yourself and simultaneously feel good about yourself? And you can't, you cannot at the same time, tear yourself down and lift yourself up. Impossible. So social media presents these idealized versions of reality and comparing yourself to those standards is not healthy or productive. So cultivate a way to uh, be, you know, treat yourself as you would a friend. You wouldn't say to a friend, wow, you know what? When I compare your life to that person on social media with the perfect life, I just think less of you. We've never say that to a friend. We say it to ourselves. Why? Often we get in the habit of attacking ourselves as a way of avoiding uncomfortable thoughts and feelings about other people and situations. Sometimes we have these negative ideas about ourselves because it's easier to attack ourselves than it is to think about what we think and feel about other people and situations. For example, whenever Lynn was upset with other people or situations, she deflected that. She wouldn't let herself go there. She would immediately start criticizing her appearance. So this self-attack was really a shield against dealing with the actual issues, which is what she thought about other people. She felt too guilty to, to think, oh, my mom is on my last nerve. So she attacked her body. She also had a really tough relationship with her boss, who often made her feel very undervalued. And after a meeting in which her boss overlooked her suggestions, as per usual, instead of processing her feelings of frustration towards her boss, what did Lynn do? She redirected her frustration onto her body image. And also she said to herself, well, I'm probably overlooked because of uh, my weight. Uh, so she blamed her weight for being overlooked rather than going like, wow, this is not fair. I don't like this. It doesn't feel good to be overlooked. And it has nothing to do with my size. This feels bad and processing that. And this wasn't just, of course, with her mother and, and her boss. Um, when a friend canceled on her, she immediately attributed it to her appearance. How did she do this? She's very creative. She, she was very creative. And I'm glad to say this is in the past tense. She no longer does this anymore. And her name is not Lynn. Uh, but uh, a friend unexpectedly canceled on her. And what did Lynn think? Lynn thought, oh, I guess I'm not cute enough to hang out with. She's probably hanging out with one of her thinner, more beautiful friends. Which avoided her disappointment in her friend or at her friend. Her friend had a perfectly legitimate excuse, as I recall. But she, she could still feel disappointed. She didn't let herself feel disappointed. She instead attacked her body. And uh, or instead of saying, hmm, you know, is this a good friend for me? She attacked herself. So by focusing on her weight in these situations, she avoided confronting thoughts and emotions related to the behavior of others because she was too nervous to go there. It's She was just um, an easy target. That, that It's kind of the boomerang effect, right? It's like, I'm really mad at you, or I'm really upset or disappointed at you, person out there. No, no, no. Actually, I'm, I'm mad at myself. I can't believe I ate XYZ. I can't believe the number on the scale. No, I'm mad at me, not you. I understand you. you I'm sure you had a good reason for treating me badly. No, no, no. I'm mad at myself. That's boomerang, the, the boomerang effect. So think Frisbee, not boomerang. Allow yourself to think thoughts about other people. Let it go outward. What do I think about this? What do I feel about this? How can I support myself right now when I'm disappointed, when I'm upset? Um, so if that, if you can relate to that, and you know, then that is something to to really start to notice and practice challenging yourself to have feelings about other people, thoughts about other people. You don't have to say anything to them. Lynn didn't have to say to her boss, hey, look, dude, I don't like how you're overlooking me, or to her mother, or to even her friend, but she still had to process these feelings. All right, and next is heal old wounds. That is really, really, really important, especially when they are tied to body image issues. 
So it really, you really have to look at how your past experiences have shaped your perception of yourself and your body image. And you have to acknowledge it and understand how it affected you and continues to affect you. So first, identify what's the source of these wounds. This could be something that happened or a series of things that happened or even a general like attitude or, or atmosphere that was prevalent in your past. Could be related to family, friends, social pressures, whatever it is. Be honest with yourself. What are the hurts? What are the what are the hurts within you that have not um, that have not healed? Because whether you've you dealt with bullying, body shaming, bullying over and body shaming at the same time, any form of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, any kind of abuse can really affect the way that you see yourself and experience your body. And once you have identified that, for example, um, I'm going to give an, another example in a moment, but this one is just coming to my mind because someone said this recently. Someone who's been um, uh, sexually abused might learn to hate their body. And as if somehow their body's contaminated, something is wrong with their body. They can't love their body because they, their body's a source of shame. And by recognizing how you came to think that, if you can relate to that, how you came to feel that your body's a source of shame, that you've been contaminated by abuse, something like that, that there's something deeply, horribly, awfully wrong with your body, that needs to be healed so that you can change that idea and feel good about your body. So it, this doesn't mean you have to relive the painful experience. You already survived the painful experience. You did. That's the hard part. The hard part is actually over. You survived what happened to you. You will survive processing what happened to you. Uh, let me give you the example of Robin. Again, all names have changed. Uh, she endured emotional abuse in her childhood. And she was called names. Nothing was ever good enough. And she just always felt like she was, she was doing something wrong or not doing something she should do. Constantly, constantly feeling crushed. Her poor spirit was crushed. And she developed a protective mechanism by uh, using her weight as a shield. She believed that being overweight would keep her harm, would keep her safe from harm, from, keep her from harm. <laughs> there, I can actually finish a sentence. There you go. So her weight became her way of distancing herself from other people. She couldn't be close to people. If she were close to people, then they would hurt her. They would find fault with her. They would repeat her experience of her past. And so uh, food was her comfort and, and it was all that she had whenever she felt bad about anything. It was her response to feelings of loneliness, unhappiness, anxiety, stress, everything, everything. Uh, she didn't have a, another way of coping other than turning to food. And this just kept her being overweight, which in her mind protected her from other people who were scary. And so she had to heal the wounds of the past. She had to come to terms with what happened to her and recognize that while the people who were supposed to keep her safe and protected in her childhood, her parents, her family, failed at that. Actually, they made her feel the worst about herself. Not all people in our adult lives, of course, will do that. And our job as an adult is to find the people who will nurture us and care for us and, and lift us up instead of you know always feeling like you've got to protect yourself from scary people. When we're children, we don't have a choice, right? We, we can't say, you know, this, is, this abusive situation is not really working for me. I think I'm going to find another family. Bye. You know, we can't. We are just, we're just the victims of what's happening to us. But as adults, we do have a sense of agency. And it's important to remember that you can heal the past and find people in your present who are safe. That you have you you have what you never had as a child. You have the ability to make choices and find the people that will nurture you and make you feel better about yourself instead of worse. 
So healing is important. It takes time. It takes patience. Um, But by acknowledging and working through those past hurts, you can start to cultivate self-love, which includes embracing your body as it is, self-acceptance. I really like the idea of self-acceptance because self-acceptance means you accept yourself in totality. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not have to be perfect to be good enough. Self-acceptance means, hey, there are things I like about myself and things I love about myself and other things, mm, not so much, but that's okay. In totality, I accept me. That is a healthy attitude. I'm going to take a break. I got so caught up in what I was saying that I forgot my my commercial break. So I'm going to take it now. If you're on Instagram, stay with me. I'll be back in two minutes if you are listening to the show. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Hi, welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today we are talking about 10 powerful ways to stop hating your body. Talked about paying attention to your dreams, your literal dreams, and what they can tell you about your unconscious conflicts, about your your weight in the world. Uh, Looking back on your childhood, consider what is weighing on you instead of focusing on what you weigh. Again, it's not what you're eating that is the problem. It is what's eating at you. What's weighing on you? Be really curious about that. Notice what sets off your negative thoughts about your body. Certain people, certain situations, certain thoughts. Be really curious about what those are and heal old wounds, um, what, which might be keeping you from being able to like see yourself and feel safe in the world with other people and with your body. And next is understand your coping strategies. Emotional eating is a, a, a frenemy, right? It is a friend. It helps you in some way. It helps you cope. It comforts you. It distracts you. It fills a void. It uh, turns emotional pain to physical pain. Those times when you eat so much, your stomach hurts. It does so much for you, which is the friend part. It is also an enemy in which it, in case it, it, it undermines your sense of self ruins your self-esteem, 
and hurts your body. So this frenemy is still, it's a coping strategy. You are, you know, you are not a food addict. You, there is nothing wrong with you. You do not lack willpower. It is not about control. Something is eating at you and eating is a way of managing. It's a way of coping. It is a negative coping strategy. So really understand that as you, you know, think about what's going on with you and your body. And sometimes, you know, we develop coping strategies to protect ourselves early on, and then we don't develop other coping strategies that are healthy. Emotional eating, binge eating, these are coping strategies. So recognizing this can help you identify, like, you know, what are you coping with? So understanding this, it's it's really important because th these are behaviors that, remember, we develop them to manage stress, to manage anxiety, to manage any kind of discomfort. And of course, yes, it's harmful and, and counterproductive in the long run, but they it does provide temporary relief, which is why we do it. This is why coping strategies like, well, when you want to binge on ice cream, go brush your teeth instead, do not work. That is because brushing your teeth doesn't do it. No one has ever been like, oh, I feel really upset. Let me go brush my teeth. No, it doesn't work. Let me go walk the dog. These are distractions and they don't work as well as binging does. Because Why do we keep binging? Why do we keep emotional eating? Because it works. It gives that temporary relief. So we got to find new ways of coping, not distracting, new ways of coping with feelings that, that work better. And remember, emotional eating, binge eating, it's not about hunger, it's not about control, it's not about willpower, it's not even about food. So first, identify what's eating at you, right? Stop and think, what's eating at you? You find yourself heading to the kitchen and you're filled with self-loathing and you say, why am I eating this? I, I can't stop. I want to stop. I can't stop. I, I'm going to hate myself tomorrow. I already hate myself. The number on the scale this morning was, was tragic. I can't stand myself. What's wrong with me? Well, how about stay curious, not critical and say, hmm, what am I trying not to feel? What is it I am trying to escape? What is it that I'm trying to comfort or soothe or numb? What's going on with me, right? Am I mad, sad, anxious? What's going on with me? Because this awareness is is really crucial, right? It's a really crucial way to to not, knowing what's eating at you helps you identify what is the problem. Because the problem is whatever emotion, whatever situation that you're grappling with, eating is the solution to the problem. It is not the problem. That might sound a little strange, but it is the solution to the problem. And when we find new solutions to the problem by first identifying what is the problem, then we can find new ways of coping, which, yeah, you can distract yourself. Let me tell you, brushing your teeth is not going to do very do a very good job. And so is taking a bubble bath. Like, you know, if bubble baths worked as well as emotional eating or binge eating did, you know, a lot of people would be very pruney all the time. Water soaked doesn't work. Eating works for a lot of reasons that I don't have time to get into, but uh, you gotta, you, you gotta learn how to respond to yourself differently. Identify what's going on with you. Express it. I'm sad because of this. And it means this. I'm angry because of this. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm worried because of this right? And then comfort yourself with words. Okay. Of course I feel this way. How could I not acknowledge and validate it? Of course I feel this way. This situation, anybody would be upset with. And don't dismiss it. Don't minimize it. Don't tell yourself, well, nobody else would be upset about this. You're upset about it. And that's what matters. So yeah, of course I'm upset about this. This is hard for me. And then you reassure yourself, I've been through tough times before. I've overcome obstacles. I've got this. I'm going to get through this. This is hard right now, but I won't always feel this way, right? Encourage yourself. Express it and encourage yourself. Don't try to positive think it away, drop it, uh, you know, ignore it, gratitude it away, any of those things. Express what you are feeling. What are you feeling and why? And then 
validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. So the most important thing you can do is really treat yourself as a friend because if a friend, um, you know, felt felt bad because she ate a pint of ice cream or he ate a pint of ice cream, you would not say to your friend, oh, I can't believe you did that. You're so disgusting. Like, get, like, get out of my sight. I hate you now. You should hate your body. You should hate yourself. The things we say to ourselves, right? If you're on Instagram, drop me an emoji if this sounds familiar to you. Can you relate? So we have to change the way that we talk to ourselves because when we're cruel to ourselves, when we're mean to ourselves, guess what? We want to escape our own mean voice and that's how we do it with food, the food binge zone. When we can respond to ourselves differently, everything changes. Uh, And next is, and this is related, express your hidden feelings. So recognizing those hidden feelings is, is really important. And because they influence our perception of our bodies. So uh, Marianne, whenever she felt that, and this is similar to er- earlier, someone I talked about earlier, whenever whenever Marianne was disappointed with her brother, instead of saying, hey, brother, uh, let's talk about this. Let's confront the issue. Let's communicate. She would just look in the mirror and go, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And she would just pinpoint all her perceived flaws and real flaws and blame her body for not being perfect. And she would say, oh, if only I looked different, things would be better. So she channeled all her emotional turmoil into body dissatisfaction. Um, Tom, after a, a stressful day full of deadlines, unmet expectations, feeling bad about himself and his career, he was overwhelmed, couldn't express it. So he internalized his stress and then got mad at himself for not being able to eat uh, pasta that night. Um, so in both situations, these people couldn't express their emotions outwardly and misdirected their frustrations and unhappiness onto their bodies. Again, the same boomerang effect. And this, this, like, this way of like taking feelings and attacking your body, it's a defense mechanism. It's called turning on yourself. And it is a way to avoid dealing with uncomfortable feelings. So really get more comfortable with identifying the feelings that you don't want to know, you don't want to look at, you don't want to even recognize and express them in a healthy way. You can do this with journaling, Uh, Open conversations with someone who you can trust, someone who's not going to say, but look on the bright side, it could be worse. You know, look on the bright side, it could be worse is very dismissive. Very, very, very dismissive. So, you know, talk to someone who could say, yeah, that sucks. I am so sorry. And of course, most important, giving yourself that validation, acknowledgement, and reassurance. And remember that feelings are just reactions to situations. They are not character flaws. They don't define you. They don't define your worth. And expressing them is actually a sign of strength, not weakness. And it's really important to do that so that we don't start hating our bodies because we can't get in touch with hateful, upset feelings we have towards other people or situations in life. Which brings me to the next one, which is reflect on your relationships. Now consider how your connections with other people, especially the people who are closest to you, impact how you view yourself. If we're constantly around people who criticize uh, uh, us or themselves, you know, I've had plenty of patients who, you know, their their parents never criticize them directly, but they would like, you know, she one person she had a mother who's was constantly like, oh my God, I'm so fat. And the mother was a size four. And so this person grew up thinking everybody was fat because if her mother was fat at a size four, she too, everyone was fat. And and she was never good enough. Right. So so even though this wasn't a direct communication from the mother to the daughter, daughter still picked up on it. So consider, you know, what are people saying in your life about other people or about themselves that you might have internalized those negative perceptions. And uh, again, close relationships like our family, um partners, that can also influence our body image. Um, if those relationships ever 
entail any kind of body shaming or criticism or, you know, you should hit it at the gym more or something like that, which is something that someone has been told recently by their partner. You should really hit it harder at the gym. Ew, right? Well, all it did was make this person feel bad. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're around people who are body positive and, and encouraging, you can absorb that too. So really consider who around you is someone who makes you feel good and not self-conscious and not like there's nothing wrong with your body, that you actually can be in a, a, a state of self-acceptance around them, and who does not. Really look at that closely because that's important. And friendships too. Friendships can can play a role in shaping our body image. I talked before about the woman who every time she was around her tall, skinny, model-looking friends, she felt terrible about herself. So that was a trigger, not because the friends were doing anything or saying anything, but because she was comparing herself and thinking somehow she should look like them and not like herself. So if you have friends who are always on a diet or always disparaging their bodies, that can also have an effect on how you see yourself. Supportive friends who promote uh, body acceptance can help us feel more comfortable and accepting of our bodies and take the, the pressure off and not constantly be focused so much on our body image. Remember, it's your body. It's the only body you are ever going to have, the only one. So you have the right to feel comfortable in it, just as we have a right to a comfortable house, comfortable home, comfortable apartment, comfortable teepee, wherever you live. You have a right to, to, to feel comfortable where you truly live, which is your body. So take care of it in a nurturing way. And the more that you think about nurturing yourself, the less you're going to be hating your body. Next, challenge long-held, oh, I, I'm running out of time. Let me see. Challenge, uh, you know, challenge the negative beliefs. I've kind of gone over that already in a different way. So let me just skip to the last one, which is be kind to yourself. Being kind to yourself involves treating yourself with the same care and understanding that you would give to a good friend. You would not harshly criticize a friend for their physical appearance. You wouldn't greet a friend and say, you would look so much better if you lost weight and I'd like you better. Never. You wouldn't beat them up for not meeting some, some, some arbitrary social standard of beauty. You'd, you'd be encouraging or you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even think about their appearance. You just think about them, right? So you would, you, but if they brought it up, you might be in, encouraging and supportive and even loving. So how about you extend the same kindness to yourself? What a concept. Treat yourself as kindly as you treat others. So start by just acknowledging your, your feelings, your emotions without judgment. It's, a, it's okay and normal. And there I use the N word, normal. It is normal, because what's normal? It's a setting on the dryer. It is typical for everyone to, to feel insecure or unhappy about some aspect of their physical appearance. Everyone has insecurities. Even people you think have, quote unquote, perfect bodies. Everyone has insecurities. It's just, you know, how much, pardon the expression, weight are you going to give to that? And when we only are looking at what we don't like about our physical selves, we only see that. We find the evidence we look for. So if we're just looking for evidence of, oh, not good enough, not too much, not enough, whatever, that is all we're going to see. So be kind to yourself and have the perspective of, you know, find evidence of what you like. Look in the mirror and see something that you like. I just did this at a, uh, just did a workshop and there were a bunch of teenage boys there. And I didn't think they were going to participate in this, but they did. They did the mir this mirror exercise and they were like, well, I like my eyelashes and mm, I like my hair and um, I like my height. And, you know, so if a teenage boy can look in the mirror and find something he likes about himself, so can you. And the more you see that, the more you see that. So when you 
when you focus on things that you like about your appearance, and I'm not just talking about I'm a good person and I'm a kind person and all of that. Um, it's literally like, what do you like about your physical self? The more you look for evidence of that, the more you will see it, the better that you will feel. So, you know, these are all ways that you can change the way you think about yourself and your body so that you can have a more fulfilling and happy life and not feel so bad about yourself, feel good about yourself. So, um, so choose one technique. I, I encourage you to choose one technique that resonates with you and commit to practicing it this week, whether it's acknowledging a negative belief or expressing a hidden feeling or just being kinder to yourself. Every step counts. And also, I want to invite you to my super supportive community, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community, where you can share your experiences, you can gain insights, you can get encouragement. I'm in there daily, so you can actually interact with me as well. Uh, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community on Facebook. So that is our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you would like a deeper dive into this topic, please check out my best-selling book, The Binge Cure. Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It will change your life. That is not me telling you. That is one of the 250 people who left a five-star review and basically said that. It will change your life. So stay curious, not critical. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.